Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. And the episode today is was actually recorded last year. And for um, various reasons, we didn't uh, have a chance to run it at the time. But because of the subject matter of it, it seems more relevant than ever. Um, I sat down with John Becker and Megan Scott, who are the authors and stewards of the latest edition of The Joy of Cooking. Um, John's great-grandmother was the original author of the book, and it's been handed down in the family for generations now. And he and Megan, at the time that we were recording this, were nearing the finish line on their edits of and rewrites of um, this volume that so many people hold dear. Um, I'm thinking this is especially relevant right now because so many of us are quarantined at home and cooking perhaps more than we ever have in our entire lives. And I'm just finding myself reaching for all of my editions of The Joy of Cooking over and over and over again. I'm lucky enough to be in possession of my husband's grandmother's copy and ones that I've brought with me throughout my life, some that I have bought at used bookstores or on eBay. And my husband came to our relationship with a copy of his own as well. And it's just one of those touch points throughout people's lives. You you remember when you got your first copy of Joy of Cooking and the circumstances in which it came into your life. And it's... Uh, you know, and it's it's made by real people. And I have had the joy and privilege of getting to know John and Megan over the last uh, couple of years. I wrote a story about them uh, for Food and Wine magazine uh, at the end of 2018. And they're just such special, incredible human beings. And I just wanted you to hear from them about how much love and labor went into the making of this book. Um, I also wanted to warn up front that um, there's there's mention of suicide uh, near the beginning of the episode because it figures into the origin story of the book. And I just wanted to warn that up front. And as always, as you, if you listen to this podcast, you have heard me shout out crisis text line many, many times. Text 741-741. And a caring human will be at the other end of that exchange um, waiting to help you. Without any more of my rambling, here are Megan and John. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. <laughs> um, loving, oh, so just to set the scene for folks, we are uh, in Santa Fe for the uh, IACP conference. I never remember, International Association of Culinary Professionals? Correct. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Um, and we actually met at this very same conference in New York City last year when um, you told me a story that I that I didn't know about the origins of the joy of cooking. Do you want to give people the brief uh, recap of what that is? John, do you want to? <laughs> John, who's the fourth uh, generation of this book? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so the gen- the genesis of the of the book was uh, my great grandmother Irma <clears throat> was had raised uh, two children, um, Marion and Edgar, um, who had moved out of the house, and um, her husband Edgar Senior was um, suffering from prostate cancer and also was prone to um, 
depression. And so, yeah, he committed suicide. And, you know, it was actually, we just recently learned was very kind of um, <laughs> conscientious about it. Uh, actually called somebody, um, a, a friend of the family to show up so that no one, not, not a single, oh, wow. not a single uh, member of his family had to see the, you know, the results. But yeah, uh, he committed suicide. I th- we think and the, because the year, it, this was in the thirties. Yeah, I think or it was. Oh, late, sorry, the twenties. Yeah, late late twenties. I think it was twenty nine. Mm-hmm. Something like so, that. Yeah. Um, at at any rate, uh, so he did that, <laughs> and uh, Irma was, you know, had no financial livelihood to speak of, um, you know, and she did have some savings put away, but not very much. Um, so she just, for no really good, like no compelling reason, just decided <laughs> to publish a cookbook, self-publish a cookbook, um, with I think half of her savings, and um, that's how the first edition was published. And at the time, like half her savings was several thousand dollars. I think it was about three thousand dollars. Yeah, that right. she and- used to published that book and this is in the thick of the depression yeah it was at the very very beginning of the depression and um yeah she had it printed with a local printer she would go to bookstores and you know basically do the hard sell on the book Um, she sold copies to all her friends and family um yeah and i think a lot of people were a little confused as to why she was writing a cookbook. Like, by all accounts, she was a, a stellar hostess, right? Exactly. She was a host known for her hosting skills, mm-hmm. but not so much for her cooking skills. Right. Her goal was very much, or at least it seems, looking at it now, it seems that her goal was to hang out with her friends, have something tasty to snack on, but she really just wanted to be where the action was and not in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this has all been passed down through through your family, through historians, and so this so you have this connection to the past. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm for sure. Um, I think we're all indebted to Anne Mendelssohn for uh, for writing a very thorough history of the early years of the book. But um, but yeah, no, it's been passed down a lot of. A lot of this information has also been passed down through my father. Yeah. Because yeah. he worked on many editions of, of the... So how many editions of the book have there been? I know that there have been sort of offshoots and how many How many are canon? <laughs> uh, I mean, it depends on how you count, but it's either nine or ten. Uh, the reason why it's a little ambiguous is because in the 40s there were two editions that were virtually identical, but one was published during World War II, so it actually had a lot of information on how to um, kind of cope with rationing. Um Oh, yeah. And so all of that was taken out after, in the 1946. Yeah. I mean, I am a possessor of many editions of of this book. You know, I had already had a bunch in hand when I interviewed you for a story that I wrote for Food and Wine, um, the December edition of of 2018, um, because, you know, I met you at this this conference last year, and it was... uh, at the perfect intersection of mental health and food which <laughs> is I think the sweet spot for for sort of all of us and uh, there's that that backstory of it that is is really uh, compelling to me and the the sort of almost irony of the title but what I really really loved is the I have uh, my my mother-in-law is no longer with us um, she would have been in her late 90s uh, by now actually it's her mother's copy so my husband's 
grandmother's uh, copy. His me mama <laughs> has her notes in the margin. It is uh, duct taped on the spine. I have the edition that I picked up at some point in college or grad school, probably as a present from somebody saying, as millions have, <laughs> you're, you're, you're on your own now. Here's, here's how you learn the code. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I had a few editions in there. And then when I met my husband, he had his own copy of it in addition uh, to that. But then um, after I spent time with you um, last year where you live in Portland, I went to uh, Powell's the bookstore in town and bought up all the editions <laughs> that they had there as well. And I sort of religiously tracked things through there about where things got super health conscious in a mm-hmm. kind of yeah. strange way. And, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like I, uh, Marion in particular was focused. Oh, on, tell people Marion is. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Marion, uh, Marion Rombauer Becker. That's my grandmother. And <laughs> I unfortunately never got to meet her, but she was, um, she was very conscious of, you know, nutritional, um, just nutrition in general. And she actually did include, I think a, a calorie counting chart in, <laughs> in the in the back of the book, um, and like and she had a lot she had of a lot early like early recipes. They weren't called gluten free then, but it was like wheat free or things made with different starches and flours. And this is like the 70s, 60s and seventies. Um, and she had recipe. I mean, I don't think this was from a health angle, but she had things like tofu and soy milk recipes in the book pretty early on. Yeah, and she was corresponding with. Um, uh, Shirtleaf and Aokagi, the mm-hmm. the uh, book of book tofu, of tofu. People. Um Yeah, so she was really into into soy. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, so surprised to see because y'all had alluded to it when we spoke before, and then I went through those editions, and it was so, because I have you know whatever version you came on first is your canon of it so they're right. gonna be people who were real mad that if there's not a squirrel thing or <laughs> yes the squirrel the squirrel comes up a lot <laughs> squirrel there are varying fats there yes. are i mean i i love those older editions where it's taking into account how you kill the thing that, yeah. that you kill and, and the same thing with charleston receipts actually have you know addition to that where it's like here's how to kill the tortoise <laughs> yes. you're doing this <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Like a lot of people think that those, um, that the game recipes kind of were from like you know the first edition or whatever. But you know, Irma was a society lady. You know, <laughs> she was a fancy lady. She was yes. a fancy lady. <laughs> so yeah, actually, a lot of those came into play. They, they a lot of them were added in the '60s edition, and it, that's the edition Marion took over the book. You know, um, Irma passed away in the early '60s, and Marion published um, the. Her edition, her first edition in 1963, and uh, you know she just came at it with this kind of completist attitude, where she just wanted to create this, you know, the kitchen work. Didn't you know, your dad like, say she wanted it to be like the Larousse gastronomique of America? Yeah, that was her. No, she had vision. Very, she had a very like kind of. I mean. She, like a modernist sensibility when it comes to that. She wanted it to be kind of like just, you know, all encompassing. Um, you know, you could go to this book for answers regardless of whether or not you have a muskrat in front of you or if, you, if you're if you trying to figure out how to chiffon on some basil. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, it really is such a definitive thing. I mean, because you know, like, I want to make it just about anything and I know that the yeah. fundamentals are going to be in there but then there are things that go away during it and people get um 
they're in their feelings about yes. maybe say their 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 favorite uh, Jello <laughs> gelatin yes. recipe has been excised. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to know. I mean, you know, I feel like uh, as you know, stewards, writers. What do you what call are, yourself? <laughs> yes, I don't even know what our job title is. We we try to take care of we try to take care of the book. I guess mm-hmm, I guess yeah. that makes us stewards. But yeah, it's just like coming at it from our perspective it's very hard to know like what is what is going to cause the least amount of um, <laughs> stress uh, anxiety yes yeah. you're dealing with something that the none of the previous previous editions had to and that's immediate feedback yes and, <laughs> and that's cuz so i know that um, you know you came into the picture uh, what year was was that uh, 2010. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Though, John, I know you had sort of grown up with the possibility of this being your. Yeah, you know, it was always, <laughs> I, I, I always got the, you follow your dreams, <laughs> but you know, if you want, this book is here for you. So, you know, I was busy following my following my dreams up until about 2010. And <laughs> decided that it was a little, I don't know, just I felt like I owed something to, not only to the family but just to the book because. I don't know. I kind of, there was a moment that I think we discussed in our Actually, interview. For people who aren't familiar with this, and because there's only so much you can put into print, um, the basement moment, yeah, could you please right. share it? Because you told me this when we met at ICP last year, and I believe I started crying, and it just, please, just sh- if you don't mind sharing this moment. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's, you know. Because this is also going in the movie adaptation <laughs> when this happens. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty dramatic. <laughs> no, I, I mean I I was just I was at a point in my life where I wasn't quite sure what was coming next, and you know I had been working on um, been working on um, you know been a, a editorial assistant. I'm not doing this well. Sorry, <laughs> I, I was an editorial assistant on um, you know this project where uh, a professor of mine had published like 17 books of literary criticism and that's kind of what I was hoping to do with my life was to you know go to grad school and um, you know I just I was just I'd been kind of become kind of disillusioned with the pros- the job prospects and and what and I really just didn't know what I what I was what was going to happen next and you know I was working like a was working customer service at a coffee shop and <laughs> which turned um, out to be a great thing as no yeah <laughs> we'll get to that <laughs> But yeah, you know, I so I was in my dad's basement, and you know, I, I was visiting for some holiday. I think it was Thanksgiving, and you know, there was a book that I I become very familiar with these really dry uh, collections of lit, lit crit, like these compilations or whatever. And for some reason, you know, my dad's not like he's not an English major kind of guy. And I was like, what? What is this? You know, I saw a copy of one of these books on his shelf, and. It's like what? What the hell is that doing here? And you know, I looked in it and I figured, like, okay, maybe Marion or Irma is talked about in here or something. And lo and behold, there was this quote from Marion that actually I found out later. It turned out to be like the um, dedication mm-hmm, the to dedication. the night. Yeah, it was the dedication to the 1963 edition. And um, she just said that she really hope you know hopes hoped that the family just continues to take, you know, take on the book. And, you know, this is the way it was. I'm butchering the words right now. But I just felt, like, suddenly, like, super connected to her and also implicated. And it was, <laughs> it was terrifying and also kind of um, freeing 
because you know it's it's all of a sudden like it's like that burden of choice have been t- <laughs> not taken away but it just like all of a sudden it's like oh yeah that's right i you know i really I have I have something here, and I I have a, a skill set that I can bring to bear on it, and that's kind of what had kept me from doing anything with the book before, because you know I just I mean I I've always cooked, always you know enjoyed food, but you know it's just not like I never felt like I had the natural aptitude, and of course you know I feel like we're meant to kind of idolize that you know this like oh you have this innate understanding of uh, of this you know you're like you've been kissed by the muse or whatever. Um, <laughs> you have pulled the sword from the stone. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm thinking of all these origin myths kind of stories. Like, you know, you got Harry Potter and his, like, you know, right. with, the, with the scar, you have like, you know, just all of these, I don't know, Batman and, you know, <laughs> various radioactive spiders. Like, so <laughs> this note from, uh, from the past is your radioactive spider. It was. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, it was a... Uh... Yeah, I wish it had been a radioactive spider. That <laughs> I know. Like, what? Actually, what is your favorite superhero? Do you have one? Oh my god! I've just started delving into Ooh. a lot of Marvel, which might be why this is on my. Uh, I don't know if I'm a superhero person yeah. at all. Are you a Buffy person or any of these? Um, I mean, I think I might have been if I had been born a little earlier yeah you know what yeah. i mean like i think i might have been a buffy person but this is like a chosen one kind of thing <laughs> basically like definitely, I, I lean towards like the deadpool guy okay i, I, I actually was gonna I, <laughs> I didn't want to but i wanted to because i uh, i am very much a deadpool person <laughs> so yeah so i i get this this is so this your mutant ability is suddenly um fired up by this, <laughs> exactly this 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 note all of a sudden like you you take on this invincibility <laughs> but so you are the two of you are not together at this point right yeah because um, I, mean, I want like, to talk about your the two of you coming together <laughs> here yeah I mean like the next steps for me um, you know I started considering uh, you know culinary school you know just because you know that's what that's what you're that's what I was like at least wired to do it's like okay well obviously I need to go through the professional channels and yeah you know um, become certified or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and here's your blessing. You have been like kissed by the, you know, ghost of Julia Child. <laughs> I mean, and the, the thing is, you know, I'm actually here in town uh, moderating a panel on imposter syndrome. And I was thinking there are a few people sort of more born to this than you are. And Oh, yeah. absolutely. No, I mean, it's funny. I read the, I read the description of your panel. I was like, oh, that, that's actually going to be very useful for me. <laughs> We're gonna, t- I mean, we're gonna talk it through. But so you had decided to maybe, you know, your your father was still in the thick of writing the books, right? Yeah, um, my father and uh, his ex-wife Susan, mm-hmm. who actually had a very large part to play in the 2006 edition. Mm-hmm. Um, they were still in the thick of it. Well, I mean, I guess it was after. I guess it was after that that I had decided this. I mean, like, kind of the dust had settled from the last edition. There wasn't very much going on. Um, in the world of the book at that moment. I mean, I think we were putting together a website and, um, yeah, we were trying to, we were, I think we were discussing apps at that point. I think, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. You're looking at me and I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) This is pre me. But so you, but you had started doing this stuff and you're working at a coffee shop and Megan, (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about where you were at the time and how the two of you happened to meet through this book. Yeah, well, so I didn't grow up in a joy of cooking family. My mom was a Southern living 
fan. And mm-hmm. so she had... And let, that's still... A, it's, it's, it's our uh, cousin at Food & Wine, so we're real happy about oh, that. Oh, nice. Actually, it's, all, it's all the same company. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, my mom uh, had every single... Like, uh, Southern Living would do these yearly cookbooks, and she had every... She collected every single it's one. It's a religion. It is a religion. Um, and she cooked from them. I remember she, she liked to cook from the ones that were from the years that her children were born. Aww. So she cooked from mine, 1988, then 1992 and 1998. So she liked to pick recipes from those. My mom is a very, very sweet, lovely human being. Um, and so I didn't grow up knowing joy of cooking really, but I knew that it was kind of shorthand for like the Bible of cooking. Like if mm-hmm. you really wanted to learn how to cook, you could learn how to cook from joy. So when I moved out and into, I was going to college and I actually, I bought it one summer because I was going to work on a goat dairy um, and I was going to be living on the farm and living in my own little house. And I was responsible for feeding myself all of a sudden. And I kind of knew how to cook some things, but not really. Like I just watched my mom and tried to figure things out. So I wanted to have a reference and I went to Borders Books and bought (laughs) The Joy of Cooking. Are these, is Borders still around? No, No, they are not, sadly. Um, yeah, just a while ago. they did. Um, so I bought Joy of Cooking and um, proceeded to learn how to cook from it and had a lot of my first, like I roasted my first chicken using oh. Joy. I'm, I'm pretty sure I made my first pie crust from Joy. So I had all these really positive experiences with the book and really loved it. Um, and so flash forward a bit to when we were both living in Asheville, North Carolina, and um, John was working at this coffee shop. I didn't know him yet, but I was working at a bakery that was um, kind of around the corner from the coffee shop. And I would go there to do a lot of reading and homework and things like that. And um, I think we had had a couple of little conversations. Um, Like I was reading a book for a class and you asked me about it and um, oh, you said he said something smart. Yeah, he said something <laughs> smart. He did. He wasn't just like, oh, cool or hmm, interesting. He, I think you, I can't remember what you said about it, but it was you said something smart, and I was impressed. And so, um, <laughs> but I was at work one day, and I, one of my coworkers, I think we were talking about Joy of Cooking, and he said, "Well, did you know that the guy whose family wrote the Joy of Cooking works at the coffee shop down the street? It was called the Dripolator." That's a terrible name. I'm sure it's a lovely place. I think they changed your name to High Five Coffee. <laughs> yeah. Because the owner, Jay, he likes to give everybody high fives. So I guess that's that, cute. That is cute. He's, really cute. he's a cute man. <laughs> he's a good guy. Um, but so I didn't believe him. And I so I went to the coffee shop. I think that day I went. And I asked the barista about it. And it happened to be John. That was the barista that day. And he turned bright red <laughs> and said, he kind of raised his hand and said, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and then kind of <laughs> chuckled about it. And I just remember thinking that was the coolest, I don't know. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I felt like I was meeting. Little did she know. Let's fast forward a week and a half or something to that. You're yeah. living together. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We. Yeah, we moved in. You moved into my apartment like there, two weeks after that. Yeah, something like something that. like that. But after a Coco van. Yes, right. John. Yeah, yeah, he. You made me Coco van, and that was another impressive thing because I had only ever dated guys that either didn't cook anything or they their idea of cooking was instant mashed potatoes, which nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that, but like especially, Coco van is especially for Noki. It's really good for Noki. Yeah, <laughs> but you also knew who she was because she was the cheddar scallion yeah. biscuit girl. She was known at the coffee shop as the cheddar scallion biscuit girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Which plays into the book, actually, because so she, you were making those at the bakery where you were working. Yes. <laughs> and where could people find that recipe now? It will be in the upcoming edition of The Joy of Cooking. <laughs> yeah, but with some special tweaks, because now uh, there's the Frico bottom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Original, so yeah, I did tweak the recipe um, over time, and originally it didn't have the cheesy, the cheesy feet on the bottom, but I added that because I loved the Krispies. Um, but yes, it has little cheesy biscuit feet. So cheesy biscuit feet. <laughs> I and we included that along um, with the story in the in the print edition. And I will tell you, so many people have told me they brought that to holiday parties. Oh, that's awesome! And they, I mean, apropos of nothing, and or like editor, you know, other editors at the magazine were telling me like, oh my god, my friends, you know, brought this to the party I was at or something. So oh, that's amazing! Already, awesome. Yeah, so it's already a huge thing. So the two of you got together and you started. Started working on you were testing you were working on the website you were doing all this stuff and handling reader feedback <laughs> yeah you know um we so so in order we we went through an apprenticeship i guess you could call it uh where you know we moved from Asheville to uh live with my with my father and his his ex-wife now susan and um, yeah, you know, we were just we were there to kind of learn about the book, and you know, all of all of the like research materials that they had were you know awesome, and you know, there was a big cookbook library that you know a lot of the titles had actually been taken from from Marion's library, and you know, she was actually really into you know the library aspect of it. She had a you know, a card system, a card catalog, a card catalog system. She for had like put book covers on all her books and they each had a number and they were organized according to like, I think it was the Dewey decimal system. Yeah. It was like some <sighs> variation on Dewey decimal or maybe it was. Where no. does this live now? Her collection? Well, a lot of the collection was kind of broken up a little because there, there was a lot of stuff that was not, you know, a lot of stuff had been mixed in over the years and not, not all of it by Marion that, uh, you know, we just didn't, feel like like for instance we we were going through <laughs> we were going through some of those books and some of them were like diet books from the 80s like oh. res- recipe books that like one of them was actually like a high carb diet like focus, focus <laughs> book taters 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 yeah. <laughs> which would have been awesome you know just to keep for just the just the novel, the, the novelty <laughs> the novelty value but you know i mean you, eventually i think we all know that you, you run out of space when you collect yeah, cookbooks and it's y'all have I, I will say having been to your home you have a stellar collection of cookbooks thank you no, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful it is enviable we, we try you know we, we try to and some of those are from marion's yeah, library definitely. so mm-hmm. we kind of we kind of did break up the collection a bit and some of it still lives with John's dad in Tennessee and we have some of it and I think some of it we sold or got rid of or something. Yeah, some of it did get taken to Ed, Ed McKay's. Yeah. Yeah. And so and you have but you do have every edition. Um, oh, absolutely. We do. Yeah. There's one family copy of the 1931 and it lives in a deposit box at the bank. Oh, I was, I was <laughs> going to say it's got to be so with it, I mean you showed me documents at your home that I just uh, I just I had a physical reaction to seeing them and yeah we have received i mean we've we receive emails fairly regularly from readers um but we've sometimes received letters and in one particular case um a woman was moving into an assisted living facility and she sent she wanted to send us her extremely 
a beat up copy of yeah, Joy was, of Cooking. It was literally in pieces. It's in pieces. Yeah. Um, it was rubber banded. You showed it to me in a bag, I think. Yeah, it was in a, it's <laughs> yeah. in a bag. Um, <laughs> but she wanted to send it to us, and she sent us a note along with it that we we I mean we were both in tears. It was. I can't really remember all the specifics of the letter. I think she's I have a like, picture of it on my phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I do. Yeah, it's like I, I've, I've fed an entire family <laughs> out of this book. And, you know, it's... I can't... Yeah. Her loves, it was, her, it was her, loves her losses, mm-hmm. all that. Oh, because she was saying she knows she's not going to cook anymore probably because she's moving into this facility and she was afraid when she moved on to her great reward that people wouldn't understand the importance of this particular volume mm-hmm. so she sent it back to you yes wow you have a really good uh, <laughs> i mean <laughs> this visit with you was really intense for me <laughs> you know I, and again like i i i've gotten a sense of some of the correspondence that you you field and the level and weight of emotions because the thing is like people i think with the new edition they will buy it but a frequent scenario is that you are given this copy when you are making a transition in your life yeah Yeah. and we I mean we see a lot of like recently we had a a woman posting on Instagram about her grandmother who was 102 I think who gave her her copy of Joy of Cooking and she had just received it and was posting it on Instagram and of course we're responding and I don't know it's just there's so much emotion and it's so emotional for a lot of people and I think that we take that really seriously and we want to respond in kind and like, we know how important the book is to people. So we're trying the, we're trying to do our best to a not mess anything up, but also (laughs) honoring people's experiences and relationships um, and memories with the book. Um, It's super important to us. I mean, I I guess I never, I didn't quite, I mean, I knew that it was uh, like a a kitchen talisman for so many different families, Mm -hmm. but I just did not, I definitely did not expect to have like such a deep and um, just such a deep connection with complete strangers. I, you know, it's changed my life for yeah. sure. And brace for impact because that is yeah. So much more of that is 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 coming. And I've seen the rigor that you have put into this new edition: blood, sweat, tears, sleepless nights, anxiety, yes. all the above. <laughs> um, <laughs> How many recipes are ish? I know, I know you're still work. You're you're what what phase are you in right now? We're looking at the very last, <clears throat> the very last few chapters in first pass. So mm-hmm. you know, basically, we're proofreading right now, and um, I think all of the illustrations are done. Yeah, yes. all, all the Wood illustrations. Cuts. Oh, and the uh, paper, yeah, paper cuts. Yeah, paper cuts. Right. Paper cuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The paper cuts are awesome. We're really excited about those. Yeah. So how many-ish recipes do you think it's going to... Ballpark. <laughs> well, so we know that we've, we're have we adding over 600 new recipes. Oh, wow. We, you know, um, you know, like the publisher, when they tally up the number of recipes for like, you know, for press releases and whatnot, they count, you know, variations on mm-hmm. recipes. But um, I want to say that on the page... Uh, it's like over 2,600 recipes, which translates like if in, you know, the way that the, our publisher is counting, you know, where you, like you add uh, a few optional ingredients and all of a sudden it's a new recipe. Right. Um, and th- it's like over 4,500, I think. So Do you, let us all just sit with that number <laughs> for a moment, because also I know the rigor that you were putting in this. You tested everything. 
Yeah, everything yeah. new, yeah, we personally, there are a few recipes that we had contributed by friends um, or people that we know who we might happen to love one of their recipes and ask them if we could use it. Um, but we personally developed and tested all of our own recipes. And then we had a small team of testers that we used to help us test recipes we were developing as well as older ones that we were either tweaking or we just wanted to make sure that it worked. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. So the ones we developed, we wanted to make sure that they worked for some other person. And then also, uh, yeah, I feel like some of the recipes that were, some of the legacy recipes that we felt like were pretty solid to begin with, mm -hmm. we just, you know, we would hand those off to mm -hmm. um, to testers. But yeah, they were all, it was all done in home kitchens. No, no, uh, no test kitchens, no... Um, Nothing yeah. fancy. Nothing fancy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I am marveling over this because I've seen your kitchen and it's a lovely home kitchen. Mm -hmm. I expected to come into, I was surprised to find out that the two of you were real people because I, <laughs> which honestly I found out from social media. Uh, I think I had tweeted something and you had responded to it or something. I was like, oh, and I, and I started looking into it. I was like, I thought this was like a corporation at this yeah. point. And to find out not only that it was two human beings, but two human beings from the family and who were doing this, it floored me. It just, it, it's that much of an institution in my head. Yeah. We frequently like, we freak, we frequently interact with people who feel, who just assume that they're talking to a social media manager as opposed to an author. Um, or editors or whatever we are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Cause I feel like, you know, because there are no strong personalities associated with the book that, that allows, that allows people to imprint on it, you know, a little bit, yeah. you know, where it's not necessarily like, you know, John and Megan's book, it's, you know, mom's joy of cooking or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, so there's pros and cons to it. But we, sure. I think we do, we do want people to know that there are, you know, there are people behind the book that care very deeply about it and about the readers of the book. Um, and we're not just a faceless corporate institution. Yeah, that, that certainly has been the struggle over the last, I mean, ever since we got involved is just to let people know that, yes, there are, we are real. <laughs> <laughs> and please note this, people, when you're react, interacting with them on social media, when the book comes out, maybe you're grandmother's favorite recipe is not in there anymore. Keep that old edition, please. Yeah, don't throw away your old edition. Please, please don't <laughs> yell at John <laughs> for that. Well, and then the extremity of writing this book, which is, for everyone I know who's written a cookbook, it's a weird ass thing to do. Like just being a food editor, it's a weird, we don't eat like normal people. Mm -hmm. There is no normal for this. And so you're put in the position of having to do all of these things. I imagine there had to be a huge amount of self-care and talking down of voices and stuff like when all of a sudden, okay, got to make several thousand <laughs> <laughs> different things. And sometimes everybody has different emotional reactions to different particular things foods. I know that I have some where I just like, for some reason, eat perfectly, you know, it's visually tastes fine or whatever, but I can't emotionally get near a certain food for whatever reason, then mm -hmm. somebody else isn't going to have a problem with or something. So we all, we all have our things. So what was that process like sort of for both of you thinking like, okay, we have to interact with food and do all this. I mean, I don't know. It just took, it took place over such a long period of time. And yeah, there were, there were periods where we were testing like, you know, a lot. 
Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I don't think I ever had any hangups with a particular well, dish. One but. of the things that's been really amazing is John doesn't have very many, like he, I feel like you're a normal, like you like, you just like food and you like yeah, I, eating. I and I, I, from, for me, that's great because you're never going to be weird about food around me. You oh, know what I blessing mean? blessing. Yeah. Have someone is. who's not weird about food. <laughs> there, there are very few things that I can say, like I dislike. I, I can't even really think of anything. Well, and you don't have, you don't attach, you don't seem to, I mean, you have things that you love and food, I'm sure there are foods that hold emotional significance for you, but you don't attach, you don't seem to attach negative emotions to food very much. Yeah, I mean, what's that like? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything I attach negative emotions to. But from the time from the time I met you, I think one of our first conversations was about how we both loved blue cheese, and I was like, Mm. okay, I can work with this. And then you made you liked the biscuits I made at the bakery, and then you made me you cooked for me, like you made me breakfast and you made me caco van, and you were like. Did you I were make willing, like a Thai curry for you that you was like did. too spicy? So, oh my God. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't, it was fine, but you had put a whole, a couple whole Thai chilies in there and you didn't tell me. So I ate one and before I realized, it was halfway down my throat before I realized that I had just eaten a whole chili. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a jerk like that. No. I, think, I feel like I've done that to, I did that to your friend as well. But to, it was really delicious. <laughs> Oh, feel the burn. Once it stops burning, once yeah. the tears subside. Once I stop crying, it's all going to be fine. Oh, you know, it's a really, it's an important thing in a relationship, at least for me, where I had dated some people who cared very much about food and some people who really were incredibly indifferent to it. And there was one guy, such a sweet, sweet person, but he was entirely indifferent to food. And it was almost an annoyance for him to have to eat. And I thought, like, am I just being petty here? Like... And then I dated somebody who I, or I dated a few people who I really, really loved eating with them. Not just like what they ordered, but the way they approached food was really important to me. And actually one, when we, who I'm still friends with, when we broke up, we broke up, we broke up and then went to get lunch. <laughs> and so we ritualized it as our last time. And we're like, we're going to be friends in the future, but for right now, like, let's go to this place and do that. Cause he was, and the thing is like, I, you know, I, I, there was a lot of things about the relationship I didn't miss, but I was like, I'm going to miss eating with you. It's like the thing we said mm-hmm. to each other. And when I met Douglas, my husband online, um, we, uh, one of the first things I, I think I had in the ad that I needed somebody who like was kind to, to servers and tipped really well, so, but also just really loved it, like mm-hmm. cared, gave a damn about it. And having that person who loves it the same way you do is huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like previous girlfriends who were not enthusiastic. There was no one before you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's very flattering. <laughs> Well, and then y'all took on a really big commitment by deciding yeah. to write this book. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it, it, to write, to edit, to steward, to be the Ouija board medium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ouija board medium. I, I like that. That should be that, that's our job title. <laughs> no, I think our relationship was what, three months old when we decided to move and start working on the book? Into full-time. a double wide. Yeah. Well, well, no, we, the, the, was... the recipe testing took place in a double in a, yes. in a renovated double wide for a while so you were Um, recipe testing for what the digital edition of the book well we were just it was it was all going towards like the future you know like the next edition i guess like in a very vague way but there was no um it was just like okay you're gonna apprentice with us and you're gonna test the recipes that were in the last edition that was pretty much how we started working 
for the for the family. And you know, I think a lot of stuff got tacked on. We ended up um, doing the you know an app for iPhone and iPad. Um, that was like a huge, huge deal, and actually like gave us pretty much like the best uh, understanding we could ever possibly have of how that book is constructed, and you know like gave us ideas about what needs to happen and um yeah i mean it was just like the best learning experience ever uh was working on the app because it really just meant taking you know straight up word documents and then you know trying to structure them with metadata and also trying to like yeah, yeah no it was just crazy and we had to oversee the whole process um which included like you know like proofreading transcriptions that the publisher paid for from, you know, for like, I guess it was an Indian contractor. Yeah, they sent it. Yeah. And then we had to proofread the entire, the entire damn thing before the app developer got it. Oh my God. (laughs) So, so yeah, no, I mean, that, that's like one of like, I don't even know how many times we've read through the last edition, not to mention the new edition. (laughs) Like it's so many times, (laughs) but you know, we, we kept like copious notes, like throughout the entire thing. And we ended up with like a really, really good outline going into actually writing the new, you know, when we st- started working on the new edition in earnest, we actually, we had like a full outline, uh, what we plan to do to each and every individual section of each chapter, like, you know, kind of what we were, what we were going to cut, what we were going to add, you know, like what kind of blind spots we thought the book had, you know, as far as, you know, covering certain subject ma- subjects and yeah, no, mm-hmm. it was... So I, that was probably not even close to an answer to the, the question. No, no, it really, because I, I want people to understand the rigor that you have have put into this. Because again, like I assumed it was a big team and, <laughs> and sort of all, all of this. And, and you went through um, an editorial switch while, like in the middle of this. Yeah. Uh, our editor um, left for a different job um, actually this past December. The Merry end Christmas. of December, <laughs> right before we were all about to leave for vacation. And you were sick. I yeah. remember I saw on Twitter that I wasn't sure which one of you was sick, but like making soup with a lot of ginger mm-hmm. in it. And that is that is honestly, uh, you know, that should that should be in everybody's chicken soup playbook. You know, like if <laughs> we talk a lot about soup on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just like grating some fresh ginger and garlic, you know, the the good medicinal slash tasty things into a bowl before you you know pour in the soup. It's fantastic. And I think you even put lemon zest and oh, yeah. lots of herbs, like just chopped yeah, herbs. Yeah, tons in there. of herbs. I mean, obviously they're healthy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but you you found this out, and you were pretty far into the process by oh, yes. this point. So terror strikes into the heart. Of- I think we we were already like past deadline. I oh think. yes, we were. Yeah, and we were in. We had started. Had we started copy editing yet? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think we might have been, I don't know. So the book is so large. I think the way, I don't actually know how it normally works for most authors, but my understanding is you write the book, you turn in your manuscript, it gets copy edited. With Joy of Cooking, we've been working on, we turned in, we've been working on different chapters. Like we didn't start at the beginning of the book and go to the end. We started, we kind of jumped around. Um, because we didn't want any one chapter to get short shrift at the very end and right. having to rush anything. So, um, especially the the last chapter, the last chapter, because they're so heavy with reference material. It's like, you know, if we're going to give attention to these, to these subjects, we need to do it right. Um, um but yeah, so we were working on still working on the first draft of some chapters while we were simultaneously copy editing 
the fourth or fifth draft of other chapters. And then we started doing all the proofreading on the pages, which before I, we were done with before the copy we editing. were done, we were done copy editing. Yeah. Oh my so, god. There's <laughs> so many, mo- and and you have a new editor, like, but yes, but who luckily? Yeah, she's uh, luckily uh, her name's Mara Stetz, and uh, you know she's been a godsend. Like she has worked, she worked on the last two editions. Um, that was '97 and 2006. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, that's right. So she had, she just hit the ground running. I mean, she knew exactly what, you know, the scope of it, uh, <laughs> like she knew, what she, she knew what she was getting into. We did not, we did not have to like, you know, kind of educate her, which we were kind of, that was actually the most terrifying part when we realized that, um, our editor was going to be leaving <laughs> was like, Oh God, how do we bring someone into this project speed, now? Yeah. Cause we didn't have, like, we don't have time to bring someone up to speed on this right? project. Cause, Cause that would knock it back another year. Yeah. If they yeah. didn't get it. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's been great. I mean, I mean, cons- considering yeah, she's uh, been a really considering good... the circumstances, I feel like we've really lucked out. Yes. And, and in the end, I think it's going to be a better book because of her involvement. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some of the new stuff because I, I mean, the thing that is really interesting to me that I feel like you all are doing in a really responsible way. America looks different uh, in so many different ways than the original editions of this. It looks different technologically, racially, culturally. A million different things have, have changed, and you really wanted to reflect the reality of what who Americans are and do it in a respectful and responsible way. And we're definitely living in a time where that it's it's the ethical and moral duty of everybody who's working in food to make sure that they're giving credit where it's due mm-hmm. and to have yeah. a wider lens than they maybe had in the past. No, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I'm, it's hard to, it's hard to choose the right language to talk about that aspect of it. Cause like, you know, like the publisher, for instance, when, you know, we put out the press release for the new book, you know, they were like emphasizing how we were coming in, you know, coming in with more international recipes. And it's like, you know, it's, I mean, that's okay to say, I suppose, but it's not international at all. It's just like these, these are our fellows, <laughs> our, yeah, fellow, our fellow these citizens. are our neighbors, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, immigrant populations, like, I, I feel like in, in Portland, there's a fair amount, yes? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, we, I mean. Yeah, our neighborhood is has, has lots of Eastern European, um, you know, um, people of Eastern European descent, Vietnamese uh, descent. Yeah, Mexican, you know. like, we are one of our favorite close supermarkets is a just like supermercado mexico it's like fantastic place to get chilies and (laughs) all the things it's hard not to go in there and not just feel better yeah (laughs) like it's it's a very nice place i mean where i did find a go to breakfast (laughs) my original breakfast uh this morning you know i went in there um in this this beautiful little uh cafe place and got carne i always mess up carne adobava adobava like i I mess it up every time and i'm really sorry um (laughs) but with with my eggs and and it's this american and absolutely you know and and it's you know it's reality that was that probably wasn't in one of the original Oh, yeah. (laughs) So what are some of the recipes that have have come in and how did you get them? Well, let's see. Um, Well, okay. So we definitely have a recipe now for Kalbi. Let's see. What other ones Uh, that that Yojin helped us? Chop chai. The uh, sweet potato starch noodles um, that are kind of sauteed. And there are like carrots in there. And we have a close friend who... um, kind of helped consult on those recipes and she she actually for the jap chai she provided her i think her the way her mother makes it 
Um, yeah, and she helped us consult with us on our kimchi recipe. We have a recipe for kimchi because it's something we love. Um, the makni? Yeah, the chicken ch makni, um, which was contributed by a friend of ours in Portland whose name is Kusuma Rao, and she um, is an amazing chef, um, and she does Indian food, and she, her everything she cooks, like we went to her yeah, house she, for dinner. and She's actually from the Southwest, so she, yeah. it's interesting that, you know, like a lot of the stuff that she does, um, she's kind of combining like the, I guess like the Southwestern chili, you know, culture with, you know, her home cooking, her mm -hmm. Indian American home cooking. And, but, you know, a, a lot of the time, I mean, I, we, we, we've just researched the hell out of something before we even attempt to write a recipe, you know, and I mean, done that's a lot really, of eating. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of, and a lot of eating. Yeah. Um, your spice pantry is beautiful. <laughs> I, I just, I think I took a lot of pictures of your spice pantry. Yeah. We, we have all of our spices kind of arranged on these two shelves in our kitchen in jars, which yeah, is probably not how you're supposed yeah, to store you're not supposed to do it that way. spices, but we use, we use them. They are decor too. I mean, they're yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Make no mistake. Well, you know, I mean like, okay, so they're getting a little bit more light, but at the same time we try to, you know, grind them, grind our whole, you know, keep the spices whole and grind them, you know, in smaller batches. So I feel like we're, we're doing them doing okay with like the spice, <laughs> the spice upkeep but you know i mean some it's true like some of them we don't use very much like celery seeds like how often do i pull those out yeah. really i do all the time really? I, really? I, I have a barbecue rub a recipe that i make in bulk and we we use it for absolutely everything wow yeah and so I, there's a lot of celery seed in there <laughs> well, please share I was like, <laughs> yeah we need to. And it, well and it, that's the thing where i i think i had gotten like a basic like stephen Ricklin like rub recipe but then have been adding different things to it over the, nice. the years right. and, and and i seriously make like I make it in bulk because we use it in bulk and I give it away to anytime I see my sister-in-law, I like bring her like a, you know, a quart container of it. <laughs> a quart container? Yeah. Because they, they go through it really wow. quickly. Wow. Oh, yeah. They do. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's pretty intense. Well, they, they live in like North Carolina, so I don't oh, get yeah. to see them all the time and like, you know, they store it carefully. So and they like barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Very much so. And yeah. And they, they, you know, can go and do this a lot. Oh gosh. Actually, I remember we deep fried the Thanksgiving turkey one year with, uh, with that all up in it. It was, oh, nice. oh, that was so good. That sounds amazing. <laughs> It really was quite fantastic. Um, so, and there are also there's some uh, there's some voice and humor in there too. There are some Easter eggs in there. Yeah, yeah we, we try. We try to. You know, I mean, you know, Irma is you know the one, that especially like people like Ann Mendelssohn really try to emphasize that she was that Irma was the one that had kind of like the you know, it was quirky wit mm -hmm. and you know like some of her head notes like even um, you know I was I did an interview a few days ago with somebody about um, like pasta salad and how it's appeared in the book. And like the first recipe we had for pasta salad is like in the 1943 edition. And it's basically like her head note, her head note to that was like, this is much better than it sounds. <laughs> like, like just, just some like real, there's always like, just like little nuggets of real talk in there. I have laughed and, reading, <laughs> reading various editions of it. No, she, she's, She's and there was awesome. Funny there was and one stuff, that and... was like, I wish I could. I think the head note said, I wish I could think of something clever to say <gasps> yeah. for every recipe, <laughs> but here it is, you know. Right. Like, <laughs> but there are like cultural references that you have slipped in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to do a Twin Peaks reference for the, <gasps> the cherry pie. For the cherry pie. <laughs> oh, okay. And the, the thing that the three of us have talked about is we are all 
quite Twin Peaks obsessed. Yes. <laughs> to the point where I am actually putting a room in my house that is a Black Lodge. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I know. Well, you will come and, and see it at some point. I, I hope. I find I found out where to get the floor. And uh, fingers crossed that um, a certain person will say yes to doing a blurb for this a key yes. figure. In the, yes. Fingers crossed. We've been emailing with Kyle McLaughlin, which doesn't yeah. feel like a thing. Well, I think we've just bullied him into it now by saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and can we have a moment for Peggy Lipton, who just died oh, I heard about ago. that. Yeah. And she was the, the vendor of the yeah. great cherry Norma. pie. Yeah. Uh, she played Norma. Who's it? It wasn't Norma Desmond. <laughs> that was from Streetcar. Oh, my God. Um, what but, was her last name? Yeah. Then? But it was, uh, yeah. It, but it, it's, oh, I love that you have that in there. That makes me so happy. Is it Jennings? More Norma oh, Jennings. Yes. Yeah. And uh, spoiler for those who haven't seen the most recent thing, she finally gets her happy moment at yes, the so end good. of. Yeah, I didn't think it was ever going to happen. <laughs> and yet it it's did. still guy. Oh, yeah. my God. This makes me so happy. <laughs> Please tell people what cocaine is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, yes. Now, we actually... And I'm not saying cocaine. I am not mispronouncing cocaine when I say this. I just need to put this. Uh, please explain what that is. We actually have a pretty good um, opener to the candy chapter. Where, or wait, is it cookies? I think it's cookies. Cookies. The yeah. cookies and bars chapter where we explain it really well. But basically, it's like... Um, I mean, like, it's the... Germanic slash European version of Big Rock Candy Mountain. It's just like this um, magical land where you know, uh, where, where fowl are asking to be eaten. Yeah, and roast like the, fowl run through the streets, yeah. and the I don't know pastries ran down from the sky. And yeah, the you know wine, you know the river is you know flowing with wine and whatnot. And it, it was the name that Marion had given to her house. Um, in Cincinnati. Her, yeah. Her, her. <gasps> Having grown up, <laughs> from, from Cincinnati, I, uh, I'm surprised by it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, uh, they had, they had, um, you know, like eight acres of land. It was farmland at that time. Now mm-hmm. it's, um, it's developed and it's been, it's a developed suburb, but, um, yeah, you know, my, my grandfather was an architect and he built the house. It's like a Bauhaus style. Um, it was a Bauhaus style. It's sad. It's a sad story because, uh, we ended up having it. We ended up selling the house, or my father did. Um, but that's where I spent my summers, and it was a fantastic place. And I can understand why she called it that. But anyways, all of the recipes that she developed in that kitchen that she was really proud of—that's what she called them—was uh, cocaine. Yeah, yeah. So that's in the title of of some of the things. Because I, I remember thinking, thinking, "What the hell's that?" Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people have had that same question and have been very confused. Thank you for. <laughs> Explaining it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was a roundabout explanation. No, no, no. That makes all the sense because it's sort of the feeling that you're trying to conjure for this. What are I, your hopes for this edition? I mean, honestly, we, I mean, the, the kind of the ethos behind the book, that at least as I understand it, how I've interpreted it is that, you know, we're, we're trying to be there for home cooks. And, you know, like if we get more people, maybe not necessarily like, like people that find themselves in the kitchen, like we're not, of course it would be great to, you know, get more people in the kitchen, but we're there for people that are actually like, okay, I've decided to start cooking. I do not need to necessarily need a sales job on how, you know, like this is not, you know, a glossy food magazine. It's not necessarily like, you know, going to be Yeah, it's not, it's not a sexy book, but it's it's a very pragmatic, uh, it's a pragmatic book and it's written for people to, who have questions or yeah we try um, to anticipate 
what people are going to be asking when they are actually in the kitchen and, you know, or when they're in the grocery store and they don't understand, like, they have encounter an ingredient they've never seen before. Which, I mean, I don't know. It's just really hard to, it's really hard to, you know, boil down to one thing because it's such a large book. I, I think like, we do just want to be, we want the book to be there for cooks in their hour of need. Like we are trying, we're not trying to imbue cooking with some kind of moral weight or goodness. Like we understand that people cook for all different reasons. Some people cook because they like to, other people cook because they have to, um, and they have to, and they maybe don't like it, but they're still going to have questions. And we're trying to provide answers in a measured, friendly, approachable way that doesn't shame anyone for not knowing the answer already, or doesn't assume a lot of knowledge. Um, yeah. I mean, we're definitely like out there, we're, we're there for novices, but we're also there for, you know, for more seasoned cooks, <laughs> seasoned mm-hmm. cooks, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, who may need like a refresher on like, you know, I don't know, the best way to whip, whip egg whites or... <laughs> How many cups of water do I need for two cups of wheat berries or, yeah, whatever. And it's going to be there. And it will be there. Yeah. yeah. we And, yeah, I guess it's like that's kind of what we're... We also want it to be, like you know, there's so many cookbooks out there that are niche or, you know, that, like, you know, restaurant cookbooks or what what, what have you, just a lot of cookbooks out and there. And they're great. They're, yeah, but, yeah. they're all great, but, you know, they're all, like, not... I mean, just by virtue of the fact that they're not, not as big as ours and they have didn't have, like, you know, 90 years to, like, refine the message. <laughs> like, they're not going to be telling the whole story. And we're hoping to, like, kind of, you know, be there as a supplement for all of those awesome cookbooks that are out now. Yeah. You know? And I really do keep thinking about that Goethe quote. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah. And it's... what's the translation of it or the what... Yeah, it's like uh, what thy fathers have given you, earn it anew. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. I think y'all have. <laughs> I hope so. That's I really, I just remember when you told me about that and what, about that quote, and thinking like, oh yeah, that's what your uh, your your Ouija board is. <laughs> I would not be surprised if your Ouija no, board like, spelled that quote out. Actually, no, those two dedications, like the the one in the '64 and the one in the '75, kind of you know. Yeah, they've totally guided how I've how I've approached the book is not on not just earning it anew and like some sort of like uh, I put in the hard work or whatever, but just like um, I don't know, just remaining true to the to the intent or what I think of as the intent that Marion had, and that would be to like provide like as much information and as much like help as possible for for home cooks. Yeah. And I think the key is also earning it anew doesn't mean just recycling it and promoting it as like this old school kitschy oh isn't that isn't that cute it's like we want this book to be used we want it to be we love it when we see people's copies of joy and they're torn to shreds or held together with duct tape or have a you know electric coil stove burner imprinted (laughs) on the cover like those are the books that that's what we want the book to look like in people's kitchens I love that. I love that so much. And I think this is probably a good place to ask you a few questions that I ask everybody. Um, and this is, uh, I always joke, the Oprah moment, like saying it out, out loud, um, because once you, I know how much blood, sweat, and tears and everything you have put into this. Um, and you can uh, ask it, you can answer this uh, separately or, or together. What is, after all this is done, you're done with your book tour, all this stuff, what is the selfish thing you want for you? 
it's hard to even (laughs) we've been working on this book for so long that when people ask what I want to do after it's done I don't really know what to say because it doesn't first of all it doesn't feel real yet I feel like it's it's going to involve a vacation of some kind yeah yeah Um, preferably what does that look like where's where's the like I don't know. We, I we've been talking about going to France. But I, don't I think know. you've earned that. <laughs> yeah. Or honestly, I would go. I'd love Just to go Oregon, anywhere. Oregon coast. The would Oregon be fine. coast would be great. Yeah. Or um, yeah, anywhere Scotland. I would love to go to Scotland. <gasps> oh my god, you would love Scotland so much. <laughs> I mean, there's beautiful vistas and there's Scotch, um, which is those are two things that I, think. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like a Scotch tour would be nice. It would be nice. Okay, there is a place that I want to send you. Please, people of Ardnezig Resort, if you are listening to this, if you're ever <laughs> listening to this, it's in the West Highlands and you pretty much can't get a cell signal there it's right we picked it specifically because it was by Oban which I love and there's distillery only Oban and Legavolen that they have there mm. and it's what and you can go foraging at least they, oh my the chef who used to be there Gary Goldie was also like a master forager and he took us out in the woods to forage and had like mushrooms and so I want you guys to wow. go there. That sounds like fun. Yeah, that sounds incredible. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, it's I love Scotland so 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 much. I wonder if there's a Scottish uh, like equivalent of the joy of cooking. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I, Mrs. I don't know. Mrs. Mrs. Bean. That's it's not. The, it's not even. Yeah, known. that's. Well, I brought British. up. That, that comparison up. is made, but it's not. Well, I, I mean, I brought up uh, joy to British friends of mine. They're all like, "Oh, we know that we cook from it." Yeah, there was there was actually a uh, a British edition of the Joy of Cooking. Yeah, there was there's one like in the in the fifties, uh, and then there was one in the, ni- the of the ninety seven edition. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, like I just want to get I want to be hiking more. <laughs> that's that's oh, pretty yeah. much that's pretty much what I want. I just want to be out in nature more. I feel like, you know, before we really got going, like in these last three years, like I was just. I don't know. I was just want to do more, like have a healthier routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's been really hard to, it's been really hard to have a healthy routine. Yeah, working on this book because there's always so much. It just feels like you never dig yourself out enough mm-hmm. to be able to walk to step away for five minutes, which I know that's a thing we tell ourselves, and maybe we can actually step away for five minutes, but yeah. you, psychologically, you feel like you can't. So I think we've both been a bit cooped up. Yeah, it's more cooped up than a, like a, a diet issue or something. It's, it's yeah. like, you know how? Yeah, I've just been, I've just been staring at a computer for years. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Oh, I want this for both of you so badly. <laughs> I remember I had a, I walked um, with some dear friends and my husband up to the top of Arthur's Seat in Edinburgh, and you do that hike up the mountain, and then you stand and you just stare around <laughs> and then if you walk the particular way down the mountain um there's a really great uh scotch pub like Ooh, down there at the, yes. at the bottom and it's real great <laughs> really want them to be waiting there for you yes uh, i want that this. too <laughs> i think that's such a good thing so i know this has got to be a question because like you haven't probably had to have a lot of say in the things that you're cooking or doing but each of you what's your comfort food hmm. god um <laughs> I mean, I feel like we frequently will just go to like kind of just like rice and beans. Yes. And like <laughs> we eat a lot of rice and beans. A lot of rice and beans and like you know, during the summer just like a simple grilled, you know, grilled protein of some kind, sometimes like, you know, 
like marinated carne asada skirt steak maybe or something like that but i don't know like in winter in winter time i'd have I to i mean we do a lot of braises we do a lot of braises Long braises yeah ragus mm-hmm. for sure i like doing ragu with like either lamb or goat i i appreciate those the most um i think I agree with all those things. I also feel like my, so this is a comfort food thing that I actually don't make it very often. It's just really labor intensive and it makes an epic crap ton of food. Um, but it's a chicken and dumplings recipe that from my great grandmother and she taught me how to make it. And it's actually going in the book. Um, that is very comforting, but it is just, that's for me, the archetype of, of comfort food. It's just this really rich, thick, um, broth with, just shredded chicken and these flat dumplings that sort of get a little bit puffy and I don't know it just has the best texture the slurpy texture when they get cooked and you just cook it for hours and it's amazing oh and aso pao oh aso pao de pollo Um, yeah what is that it's a Puerto Rican chicken and rice dish and it's fantastic it's just like the best it's like a it's it's a soup and it has um it has what green olives green olives and pimento and um what else? God, I'm just blanking. Blanking. Rice and chicken, obviously. <laughs> yeah. so good. Oh, chicken. and ham, of course. Ham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Is it in the book? It yeah. is. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the chicken and dumpling. That's my husband's one, too. And it's his. Really? Uh, yeah, and it's his North Carolina. Um, is she Eastern Carolina? I think like her. And mm-hmm. But sometimes called chicken and pastry. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty much. That's probably yeah. exactly yeah, what yeah, it is. Flat dumplings. Like, yeah. yeah. We yeah, served yeah. it at our wedding. Yeah, maybe our recipes are almost the same. I would be zero percent shocked if it was actually from her edition of Joy Cooking. Well, actually, I don't think Joy 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 has has, fluffy dumplings. Yeah, like the biscuit kind. The older editions that you drop on the top. Oh, right. But yeah, yeah. This is this is the flat rolled out one. Yeah, and I've had to adapt it for like a paleo diet because my wonky gut stuff so actually I did sort of an adaptation of one that the Lee brothers do that is a sweet potato dumpling and Ooh. I did it um, with that banana flour oh that sounds really it's good it's actually really really good and orange zest it's just like it, but it's that same texture that is so comfy I've yeah. never banana worked flour. with banana flour yeah. that's yeah. something we should have covered <laughs> <laughs> y'all have enough on your plate <laughs> the, what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional hmm there's a well, I, I was going to say Eam. I think that I got a little emotional about Eam. What's that? It's um, There's a restaurant that just opened up. Well, not just, but it's a, maybe several months. It's been several months. Um, but it's this this Thai restaurateur, Earl Ninsom, and <clears throat> uh, and then the uh, Matt's Barbecue guy. And the, um, they collaborated on this place that does... Uh, it's basically... Uh, Texas, well, not just Texas-style barbecue, but also uh, Thai. And so, yeah, just so curry, like a burn-in curry. I think that oh. burn-in's curry kind God, of that was amazing. Good. It was really, really good. It was yeah. fantastic. And then it, they do this pork this um, pork steak that I think it's their, like, homage to, uh, like, this famous um, famous Texas barbecue lady who does this, this um, pork steak. Um, but that's, it was fantastic. Yeah, that was really amazing. I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, we're, we were talking about comfort food earlier and all the things we mentioned. Yes, those are, those are all extremely comforting, but, um, just in general, like Vietnamese and Thai food are kind of our go-tos. Um, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. We don't eat out a lot for dinner, but when we go out for lunch, we'll go get either like 
Vietnamese or Cambodian soup, or um, we do like the Vietnamese boon noodle bowls, like the salad noodle salad bowls with all the amazing vegetables. And then there'll be like um, spring rolls and whatever kind of grilled meat, chicken or pork or whatever. And that is like, that's also comfort food. That's I think. So, that's so lovely. It's amazingly delicious. So what is the last meal that somebody made for you in their home? Mm. That's a good question. That's the chefs. Uh, like nobody cooks for chefs, <laughs> and, uh, and I assume cookbook uh, authors must have some of that too. I mean, some people have said that like it's you know gets them really nervous when they cook for us. Yeah, but the people who actually know us, they don't give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, they'll just be like, "Here's something from your book." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember though. I don't remember the last time we went it's over. Must have been Dave and Rachel. Oh yeah, we have some really close friends that live close by, and they're not intimidated by cooking for us at all, <laughs> which is amazing. Because and they like to try, they like to try new things all the time. So I feel like we have a really, I don't know. There are definitely some of our food, our friends that we can have dinner with, and neither of them are in the culinary industry, so that's also refreshing. Because I feel like sometimes when you are just surrounded by it all day, the last thing you want to do, you want to talk shop. You don't want to talk about your work. <laughs> um, yeah, so. But what did they? They I, he's I been into he's, barbecuing. And... He's been into barbecuing, but he's also been into that that Jake Angel Lopez method for doing chicken, where you put it like in a. Of course, it's chicken again. <laughs> you put chicken thighs like you brown them, and then you add a braising liquid and turn them upside, you know, skin up so that they're like half submerged, and you end oh. up with crispy skin. You put it in the oven, and then you end up with crispy skin and like really tender meat. Mm-hmm. He was doing that last yeah. time. But I think it's Lopez Alt. Lopez Alt. Lopez Alt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Kenji. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> it's hard. Um, what living musician would you want to cook for, and what would you cook for them? And this is a saying it out to the universe in case they're <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, of course they're listening to this podcast. But <laughs> uh, what is, uh, who is it? Hmm. And you can answer that separately. You go first. I have to look at oh my, my phone. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who are you listening to on your phone? <laughs> hmm. Okay, that's really hard. I know it's a really, really tough one. I like, I, I have my answer. <laughs> I'm just curious what your answer is. No one ever asked me that. I've been waiting to be answered. It would be Robert Smith, and I would make tea for him. <laughs> I would make like tea and and like a crazy cake for Robert Smith. <laughs> Living musician, or maybe God. a cocktail. Also, it would be spiked tea. Ooh. I think a lot about this. I want to have like a Mad Hatter tea party with Robert Smith. <laughs> I feel ill prepared. No, it's all right. Like we all have our sort of comfort musicians in addition to and it's, there are a few mus- musicians who've been brought up over and over on, on this one I'm just curious to see if it's going to be either one of them probably not I don't know I don't know can you think of anyone I, I can't really think of anyone I mean I'm going to think of someone as soon as we pack as soon as you pack up the microphone I'm going to think of somebody honestly a lot of what I've been listening to lately because we're in editing mode is stuff that I enjoy because it doesn't obstruct my thoughts yeah. so what is your what is your writing mine's beach house uh, oh over, beach house over. is good Be- yeah and the twin peaks soundtrack okay yeah that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah um, i julie cruz would you, you go for julie cruz you can say who you like <laughs> i'm just trying to think of uh the latest ones i've been listening to i just listen to a lot of electronic music I, <gasps> yeah apex twin is like of course like a, oh, good, yeah. a good a good standard uh well-known artist but you know I'm. I like Otiker. I like um, Com Trues is a more recent <laughs> artist that I like. Clark. I'm just. I'm just 
into that nerdy dancey no, crap. I love that. <laughs> like that it actually is music that I love to listen to like while writing or doing housework or something. Taika. I listen to a lot oh, of chill yeah. wave. I was going to say yeah, Taika Ty- is good for Tyco's editing. Good, yeah. yeah. And the XX and Washed Out. Like that's yeah, all. Washed like, Out's good. Washed Out's good. <laughs> I'm going to see Beach House soon and I'm so excited. Oh, nice. about it. Awesome. Like I actually thank them in my book. Like uh, my, the sort of all the bands that I listen to while I was <laughs> editing. But, so like all these electronic musicians should be happy to be coming through Portland. Stop by. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Listen to them. So, so yeah, who is the number one most played on your on your phone there, Megan? Uh, number one, mo- I mean, recently, mm-hmm. uh, Comtrues and Tycho, and then I've been. Let's see, Tame Impala. I really oh, like. Okay, actually, um, George Mendez brought up Tame Impala. Is oh, really? He wanted to go <laughs> yeah, I really like Tame Impala a lot, and also Waxahachie. Oh yeah. Um, I we went to see her recently when she came to Portland, and I I really love her. Yeah. Um, yeah. I tend to, I've tended to love more um, folk slash I mean I feel like singer songwriter is not the right word but I I like it's a dirty I like women kind of folk artists mm-hmm. or leaning in that direction and John has definitely introduced me to the joys of electronic music yeah. <laughs> yeah. some of which I like and some of which I really don't no, I'd make Richard D James mashed potatoes. <laughs> I love. It. Please, it was Richard D. James. Who, who is so? Who is that? That's Apex Twin. Oh, so that that's actually I just never knew the actual name. Like, come over to their house for some mashed potatoes. What about Madlib? Oh yeah, I would make I would make Madlib. I'm not even sure what he would. I don't know. What would I make him? I, don't know. I mean, he did that Brazilian album. That's really awesome. So maybe some feijoada. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that's actually going to be in the next that's in the new edition the visual water so any of these artists if you're traveling through Portland <laughs> or if you catch them on book tour we'd love to say hi <laughs> so with all of this um, self-care while writing if you had five uninterrupted minutes for self-care what do you do? stretch <laughs> I mean yeah. yeah I don't know I, I hunch I need to same <laughs> yeah. yeah I hunch over I don't know look at something far away which I don't do enough Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I, my pres- I know my prescription has changed. I'm not sure exactly why, but I have I have some ideas. Um, yeah, looking at a computer screen a lot, I don't think it's been great for our <laughs> eyes. Um, I actually the other week I I've been feeling I get really overwhelmed because I mean obviously all the stuff that's going on with the book, um, and I have a second job that can be very demanding as well. So I I remember I was feeling extremely anxious the other day and I was like you know what I have I have five minutes like I can give myself five minutes and I have a meditation app on my phone and I just listen to a five minute um loving kindness meditation that is really soothing and um just close my eyes for five minutes and try not to think about anything else I love that and I I really feel like a lot of people are going to get a lot of I'm going to get emotional right here for a second you're going to bring a lot of meditation and joy and connection and happiness to people through this this book and i cannot wait for people to get to experience your version of this and everything that you have brought to it and you know get to know who you are through this and and what you have have done and get the copy themselves and I can't even imagine who they're going to give those copies to. So <laughs> thank you for bringing this to the culture. And this, and I just, thank you. <laughs> and thank you so much for guests today, John Becker and Megan Scott. And where can they find you on social? 
uh, where um, you can look for, I think it's The Joy of Cooking on Instagram. I have to check really quick because I, I can never I think remember. On, I think on Twitter it's just uh, but you're, Joy the, of Cooking. Yes, it's The Joy of Cooking. And on Twitter I think it's just Joy of Cooking. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Joy of Cooking, is it thejoyofcooking.com, joyofcooking.com? Right it's now it's, yeah, if joy you of type cooking. in joyofcooking.com, you will be redirected to our current website, but... Um, that is, yeah, that's one of the many things on our laundry list of crap that we have to do <laughs> before. Uh, it's our yeah. very old website. Sorry. Thank you so much to my guests, John Becker and Megan Scott. And, you know, we were talking all about pre-publication there. The book has been out for several months now, and it's just a stunner, really and truly. Um, everything that we talked about uh, in the podcast, it, it was such a joy to see it on the page there, to see those gorgeous woodcuts and the uh, labor that they put into all of those recipes and the range and, and scope of, of voices and, and cultures that they have worked into um, this this beloved book to make it a reflection of America and how we are cooking now. And you know, like I said, we're cooking more than probably ever before at home right now. So if you don't have a copy, um, now is a really great time to order it from ideally an independent bookseller, uh, who I'm sure would be really, really happy to have your business right now. Um, and it's a wonderful time also to go into your bookshelves or ask a relative or, or you know, to go in and find theirs and, and take a picture of it. And you can tweet it at me at Kitten with a Whip or at them at Joy of Cooking and um, let them know how much this book means to you and how much it has meant to your family for all of these years. And I am so thrilled to say that the edition that John and Megan worked on is going to be in people's libraries and in their home kitchens and passed down for, for decades and decades to come. It's uh, you know a really, truly special thing. So get yourself a copy of that. Get one for someone you love. I actually gave a copy to my grandniece for... A, uh, for, for Christmas this past year and watching her eyes light up. I think she's 11 years old and she's going to have that book with her for the rest of her life. So I thank you so much to them and you can uh, follow them on all their social handles. You can see that in the, the copy of this uh, of this edition of Communal Table. I want to thank also our producers, uh, Jennifer Martnick, Margot Gotthelp and Hallie Tarpley and our photo director, Sarah Crowder. Thank you as always for making the sound great um again you know the sound is a little funny i'm recording this uh the intro and outro from my own apartment in brooklyn we recorded the other part in a hotel room in santa fe where all the motorcycles were coming from funny one just went by in brooklyn as well um but they make us look and sound good so thank you so much for that and again it doesn't hurt to shout out crisis text line at 741 struggling right now. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's a really difficult time and there are really great folks there to help. So um, we've also been talking about that a lot on Food and Wine Pro, foodandwine.com slash FWPro. We have uh, resources for folks who are 
especially folks who work in hospitality who are going through a tough time right now. Um, you can see all of it in our uh, coronavirus updates, in our guide to mental health and sobriety resources there, and also how to sign up for the newsletter, the uh, Food and Wine Pro newsletter that is written by our editor-in-chief, Hunter Lewis, backed up by um, Oset Babur and me with a weekly meditation from our in-house guru, Kelsey Youngman, and that'll show up in your inbox Friday at noon if we have our stuff together otherwise it goes out Saturday but you know we're there to cut through the clutter and get you the stories that help you um, most in this time we're all we all really need the good news we need the uh, the help we all need we all need something right now and you know what we need we need cooking and we need joy more than ever good listeners beautiful people take good care of yourself until the next time.